Hello and welcome to another episode of Hollywood Haymaker Podcast. I am Dustin Dubuque. And I'm John Hanson. And we are here back again because this is what we do now. Sitting in John Hanson's basement recording a podcast mm-hmm. every Tuesday. Just for our loyal listeners. Yeah. Um, so I suppose might as well not even bury the lead of the big news in Hollywood this week. Avengers trailer. <laughs> how would you? How did you guess? You read my mind. Yeah. Um, I uh, I was excited to see this. I was really excited to see some footage from the film. See kind of what you know where they're going to go with it, and uh, it looks good. It looks really good. Um, I was really excited to see Tony Stark basically at his low point. Um, you know, the costume destroyed, he's, he's in space, basically, uh, recording his, his final message to Pepper Potts. He thinks he's, he thinks he's about to die. And, um, it kind of reminded me of the trailer for Iron Man three a little bit. Cause in Iron Man three, they also showed him with a busted up costume and he was kind of at his low point and Pepper Potts had been kidnapped by the bad guy and all this. And I was really excited to go see Iron Man three and see him rise from his low point and come back and be the hero again. But, uh, unfortunately the Iron Man three movie did not deliver what they advertised. Right. End up being kind of a comedy for children. Right. I I didn't really care for that film. So, well, it looks like you might pretty much get what you want in Iron Man three here. I'm hoping, I'm hoping this time, I'm hoping this time they deliver as advertised and, uh, yeah, I should be good. I mean, it's the same writer director team that did, uh, the last Avengers, the infinity war one, which was amazing. So I'm I'm I've got high hopes. I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, I think the the Iron Man stuff with Pepper Potts was good because it they they've stuck with that story for yeah. how many movies now, mm-hmm. and it almost was like a punch where you're like, oh yeah, it's still sad. <laughs> like like I don't know I because you know I I maybe haven't even thought about it that in detail of like their relationship. But just that little, like, what, the opening, what, 30 seconds of the trailer is him recording the thing? I was like, oh, yeah. like, that is that is sad, which means that they've done a good job at actually building that. Yeah, um, he, he says on that uh, recording to Pepper, he says, it's always been about you. Right. And, um, you know, even though he's he's kind of, he's got that kind of attitude and he's kind of, he's a, he's a, he's an alcoholic and different things, but. The fact that he's always stayed true to Pepper Potts. Yeah, it's the one thing. It kind of it kind of gives his character. It makes him that much more likable, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's slowly become way more likable than I guess in the first one. Tony Stark. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, still likable because he's yeah. funny. Yeah. I mean, but in but if you actually knew that person, like in real life, especially in Iron Man the original, you know, if you actually met that person, you'd be like. I don't like you. Right. That's what I'm saying. The way they kind of introduce the character and he's kind of got that kind of attitude. And, you know, when he's riding in that Humvee, that the very beginning of the first Iron Man, he's got a drink in his hand even then. Yeah. And yeah. he's, you know, he's selling these missiles and he's kind of showing them off and everything. And he's, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't come across as super likable. Right. He's become likable over the. Right. And people liked him because the movie was funny, but now yeah. it's, he also understands that there's that this is terrible and yeah. he needs to, you know, that's right, that also was, the evolution of the entire franchise though. Too, that was the first it. movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of deciding not to, not to sell weapons to the world anymore, but you know, fight against that. Kind right. Of thing, so. Right. Yeah. I thought that was good. Um, well, then you got the other parts. I mean, I guess we can't really not talk about Hawkeye and Ant-Man. Yeah. They, they show Ant-Man in there, which, um, I mean, it, it's not a surprise to me that he's coming back. I know there's, you know how many people online. Did you see like that? They're outraged that they showed him and that they should have <laughs> kept him out. I'm like, well, nobody is surprised by this. I, I would have left him out of the trailer. You think so? I would have, because uh, you know, even though there's that party that goes, Oh, come on. He's, he's coming back. You, you still want to, you do have to experience. admit, it's kind of weird how midway through the trailer, they show, Walbert, uh, not Walbert, uh, Ruffalo, staring at the picture of of Ant Man, wondering where he is, and then later in the trip they show you. I'm like, 
Well, then that did, that wasn't probably necessary to show that he was gone. If you're just going to reveal a minute later that he's knocking on your front door, maybe. But yeah, it's a little weird. Yeah. I thought it was fine though. Well, they like to give you little little things in the trailer to get you excited about the movie. And I mean, I just felt like it would have been. You're still going to get to experience how he comes back, but it would have been nice to go into the movie and kind of see it sure. unfold instead of you know. That's kind of part of the problem with trailers. Those are they oftentimes give away too much. Right. Overall, I felt this trailer didn't didn't give away too much. No, because like I said, I I knew Ant Man was coming back. I wasn't surprised. No, and nobody's surprised that Hawkeye is going to be involved. Right. Like who would be? I mean, I thought the the part about Ant Man that I, uh, that I also didn't mind is that you know you have this two minutes and twenty long twenty second long trailer, and it's somber the whole time. You know, it's mm-hmm. sad. But Marvel's not always sad. So here's the comedy. Here yeah. it is. Quick ten seconds at the end. It's yeah. funny that But the cool thing about it was here's the one thing I got from the trailer that's gonna be interesting that they've already sparked my mind with the movie is um how long it's been. Did you get that in the trailer? Like that, like when they talked about is this a recording? Is the outside mm-hmm. like and then kind of like Iron Man too, the way he was sitting, Tony Stark was sitting there. He, he kind of made you, like you know he's running out of air and stuff. Mm-hmm. It makes you wonder now, how long has it been? Because it seems like it's not like the next day, right? I mean, it feels like it's taken a toll on all of them. Yeah, you know. And so, and, and I thought the Hawkeye, I thought the Hawkeye reveal was pretty good. It'll mm-hmm. be interesting to find out. I'm assuming he's not in Japan randomly killing people uh, with a family at home with his wife and kids. So. I'm assuming they well, might have got snapped with the rest of everyone else. In the in the comic book, he becomes a character called Ronan, and that's a right. storyline that they're going to be doing. With yeah, him. that's what I heard. Yeah, I don't know that, but yeah, I, I saw, I read that a little after because they said that he looked different. Because I obviously noticed that that he yeah was a little bit of a different character. Yeah, right. and they said that that's probably how he'll evolve. Yeah, because uh, that was the first thought I had. I'm like, last time I saw him, he was hugging his wife and kids, and now he's assassinating people and. Right. on the street so i'm like i don't think he's the happiest camper right now because mm-hmm. but yeah i think that'll be interesting to see how far how far it's gone how long these people have been gone um yeah so did you have a big uh a big uh i don't even know reaction to the name of the movie i'm just understanding how the internet works and how <laughs> i don't think i've ever reacted to a name of a movie. <laughs> i don't think i have either apparently people do that though it's gonna be called endgame which Okay. It's fine. Yeah. And I know they, I think, was, uh, it's, uh, um, uh, Dr. Strange says that in Infinity Ward. I think I saw the, tr- the clip of, he says, like, it's the end game in there. So, like, that's mm-hmm. the, the Easter egg or whatever. But I just learned that people get really mad about things, about, which is why I love the internet. It makes me so happy when people get upset about stupid things like that. But yeah, I heard that there's a big problem with the name end game. I don't know what it is. I don't know either. I, I figured I'd ask you. I don't know if there's a connection of anything to it. So you would know over me. So I was just like, okay. I mean, they told us for years now that this is the end of this phase of Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. So seems legit to me. Yeah. It's, 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 I do. I do appreciate them not putting Captain Marvel in the trailer. Too. Oh, right. Because people were asking. I remember people were like, I wonder if she'll be in it. I'm like, if they put her in it, then they've completely killed any type of how she got there yeah. or why she's there. I'm like, because I thought they might do it just to try to sell her movie a little bit more. But I didn't even think about that, actually. But yeah. Somebody mentioned it to me. Like, they were like, I wonder if Marvel, she'll show up. I'm like, I really hope not. Because mm-hmm. then my first thought was just how Hollywood works, that they would use that to sell her movie even more. Right. You know, so crazy. Yeah, no, I was just kind of focusing on uh, the Avengers and Captain America and Black Widow. Yeah, Black Widow got a lot of screen time. Yeah. It's good. Do you? So, because it's not really a spoiler anymore that Chris Pine is done after this movie. Well, Chris Pine was never in these movies, but that would have been a great... Oh, I said the wrong Chris. <laughs> you know how impossible it is? There's like six of them, and they're all the same name. They all start with Chris. Did you ever watch... I think it was Chris Pine on SNL. Like a year or two ago, he had this monologue, and he was teaching people the difference between all the Chris's, and they had all their faces next to each other. And well, it was like you should know him. the difference. I know you would think so, and it's it's just like here you go. This is who I am. Uh, um, but I mean, Captain, it's Chris it's, Evans. Yeah, Chris Evans. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He 
So he's, he's done, said, or he says he's done. Yeah, I mean, he we've said, heard Daniel Craig tell us that for like six years now, too. So He said, yeah, he said before that he was done. I believe him when he says it. I wish he hadn't said it. Um, I wish that we could just experience these movies and be surprised, you know, when the character maybe dies or whatever. Um, well, because you would, I mean, everybody's saying that that's what's going to happen now because of. Well, yeah, that, and, that, and that's what I hate is I, you know, I hate, I hate already knowing that going into a movie. Yeah. Right? It's like. It's just, in this day and age, it's just impossible to just go to a movie and be surprised by the twists and turns that come. It is. You know, I mean. Well, I mean, even the, you know, even leakers in ho- like on Hollywood. I mean, I already see, you know, I didn't try to see it, but I was just, you know, watching a few things about, um, about the trailer, you know. And somebody said that they already, the reason why some people know it's the, um, they're going back in time is because a couple of the studios in Hollywood have started to rebuild old sets that were tore down. From previous movies, I'm just like, why tell us that? I don't need to know this. But yeah, so like that's already been apparently leaked out there that there's like some old sets that were being rebuilt to, for this one, and I'm like, well, yeah. And I'm like, I didn't even try to hear that, and now it's out there, and well, and it's it's that it's that thought of of needing to know everything, which now never, it's out there further because now you've shared it. Yeah, I know, I know, it's ridiculous. Um, but uh, apparently it was. I've done a good job of hiding myself from it because apparently it's a pretty known thing, but I didn't know it. So yeah, between between, um, people looking for every scrap of information they can find and being able to find it because of the internet. And then between that and the, the studios sharing information because they want to get you excited. Right. It's, it's almost impossible to go in and not know what, you know, especially big movies. Especially, right? I, to me, with these big movies like Avengers, I'm like, you don't need to sell me. I'm going, <laughs> right? So you know when they, when they, when they show you all the things, and yeah, that's why I try not to watch a lot of the trailers. They well, and that's why I think for episode nine, because remember when episode eight came out, the first teaser teaser was literally episode eight with the date, and that was it. Like it was like an eight second video. Why for Star Wars episode eight? Oh, for Star Wars. Yeah. yeah, I remember the first the first thing that was it, and I was like, it was only before a movie I saw. Yeah, and I was like, I think that's all you need. Right, just I let mean, them know the date. Date that's the coming people out. That are the Star Wars fans are going to go. They're going to be waiting in line outside in the rain to see this movie. I know. So you I don't need think to that, tell them what the what the whole story is. Just, I almost think just that tell would, them the date when to show up. Would sell you even there. more? Like if Episode Nine was coming out, and it was Episode Nine black screen logo, whatever it's called date and they didn't show you a thing why not like that would be for nine yeah i mean it would be I don't hard to get do. away with it for nine after eight eight kind of sucked but, <laughs> but in the past i mean but they could have i think it'd be fun i mean go for it you're not gonna make less money it can't be possible well i think they're getting to that point i think they're starting to milk it and i think people are starting to feel burnt out on some of these movies and didn't they already announce three more after nine they're, well, they had, but they're canceling some of them now because Solo didn't do so well. And I think people are realizing now that, you know, it's just wait for the DVD, if, if at all, because some of these movies are not that great. Um, I thought Episode 8 was not that great. It, had a couple, it was fine. It had a couple of really stupid parts in it. Um, and then Solo was okay, but I mean, I, I think they're really starting to milk it. And then they were talking about doing a... Obi-Wan movie and a Boba Fett movie and a Yoda movie. And I mean, it's like, I think, I think they're realizing that they can't just slap the star Wars name on something. And people are going to, you know, rush out to see it anymore. They're getting to that point. Totally. Well, especially like, especially if solo went over poorly, one of the main characters of the movie. Well, it wasn't a necessary movie. I mean, you already know <coughs> if you followed the franchise, you already knew his origin and, but you got to learn how he got his name, John. So what? <laughs> the, the movie mostly one the, just one of the dumbest things of how he got his name. It mostly just connected dots of stuff that you already kind of knew. They just kind of depicted it for you, which yeah, you, didn't, you know, you didn't need to see it. You don't. Well, but that's my point. At least it's Han Solo. It's like I again, me and you have had this discussion off microphone. Like, what do you do with Boba Fett? The whole point of I, Boba Fett, yeah, he's better as that, a supporting character. <laughs> Yeah, because he is who he is. You don't really know anything. Boba Fett's cool because he has a cool outfit. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves here. The guy doesn't speak. 
and he's just a cool assassin. How do you make a two-hour-long movie about that? Yeah, he's got uh, a mystique about him, and that's what makes him an intriguing character. If they made a movie out of him, I think it, it might ruin that character. Right, exactly. And plus all the stuff that they would tell you about him would all be stuff that you wouldn't agree with. You know, you'd be like, Boba Fett would never do that. <laughs> That's so true. It would all just be, because the thing is, right now, you know so little about him that all of all of that character is in your imagination. So right. whatever they come up with, it's not going to be what you thought. Right. So, so what do you think is going to happen after Endgame? Um, they'll probably take the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a new direction, introduce new characters, bring in new actors, and yeah. do kind of a reboot, almost. Sure. But to what, do you think? I mean, you would know more than I would. I mean, isn't well, it kind of the same thing every time? Somebody bad's going to show up and want to destroy the world or humanity? Well, I mean, that would be my thought. That's so a it's, very shallow way to look at it. But, well, of course. But um, that's what it is. Well, I think uh, Disney... Uh, didn't they recently acquire the rights to the X-Men? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. So there's talk about maybe bringing the X-Men into the same universe. Sure. Well, that's not surprising when Disney's streaming service starts next year. Yeah. Um, I Do they also own the Fantastic Four now, or did that not happen? I don't know. I thought maybe it'd be kind of cool to, to do um, the Galactus storyline, bring in the Fantastic Four, but I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen or if that's, you know, I don't even know if they own the Fantastic Four yet, but I thought I maybe heard maybe they did. I just assume Disney owns everything. I'm to close. that point. I'm, I'm to that close. point. It was, it was mainly, um, it was mainly X-Men and, and Fantastic Four that they didn't quite have. Okay. Yet, but. I mean, you would think, I mean, you would think if they can, I mean, it's not hard for Disney to acquire pretty much anything right now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, okay, that's just what I'm interested in, is once this big phase is over, this 12 years of movies that we just got, that they're going to have to cr- recreate and redo, and what can they do that's different? You know, yeah, they can go in a lot of different directions. It's up to them, really. But um, I'm guessing it'll be kind of a reboot to the universe. And, um, yeah, I don't know what they got in mind. So a lot, I mean, if, if you think living up to a really good first movie... Is one thing. Try to live up to 20 movies in an entire anthology with another one. Yeah, they, That's an interesting thought to think about. Well, they did an awesome job with these, and I think they'll, you know, they'll always kind of live on as as uh, just a really remarkable achievement. So, whatever they do next, um, I'm sure it'll be good, too. Probably be different, though. I would hope you all. I would hope, because I think, that's a t- I think it's just going to be a tough order or a tough uh, thing to follow. You know, they've done this great thing, and depending on how Endgame goes. You know, uh, they've got material, decades and decades of material. Sure, and I'm not saying they don't. I'm just thinking, you know, it's like anything. You know, it's just like a first movie versus sequel. It's, now you have the first time ever this has been seen, I think, where this whole monster universe was created for 12 years and then ended. Now we're going to change up, reboot, whatever you want to call it, and do it again. Well, that's a that's just a tall order. Star Trek did it, right? See, I that would be something that I would have no idea about. I don't really know Star Trek very well. Well, when they did the one with uh, with Chris Pine, um, the first it was just called Star Trek, I think. Right? About, yeah, about that one was good. Ago or so, um, that was kind of a reboot, but they did a great job with that because in in that one, he um, they go back in time. Yep. So it's. It's like they're not exactly erasing what happened before. Okay. They're like basically saying this is a new, uh, like a new timeline. You know what I mean? So it's, I thought that was kind of a smart way to do it. Sure. Um, and those, those have been really good movies. Yeah. I thought, oh, was there been three of those now? There have been yeah. three in the reboots? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought the first and the third one were really good. I wasn't a big fan of the second one, but. I also have nothing to compare it to. I never watched a single Star Trek before those. I liked the second one, although I thought it was pretty, um, pretty obvious. They kind of shoehorned it in that that was going to be Khan. Oh right, right. That, that was not Khan. That was <laughs> that was a last minute change to the script. Script. To decide. Oh, maybe. 
Maybe uh, maybe we need this. Let's make him one of our most popular characters. <laughs> just because. Well, because isn't that... And again, this is my... I don't know anything about Star Trek. Um, is the Rathacon the biggest... It's usually regarded as the best one of the franchise. It's, yeah, it's very popular. You know, yeah. I, um, the people I know that like Star Trek, that's always the one, the, the go-to. Yeah, he was he was played by uh, Ricardo Ricardo Montalban in that movie, and in this one he's played by uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, that's they right. Be, they could be identical twins. Yes, they could. Yeah, yeah. I've never said, that's the one I've always told myself I should watch, just because that's the one that everybody says to watch. It's but, good. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. I just never grew up as a Trek person, so I just never watched any of the originals. But I think the new stuff is good. Again, I have nothing to compare it to, so mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, so outside of Endgame and the mm-hmm. and the master uh, uh, thing that it was this whole week, um, I guess the only other couple things because there's not much for news other than just some tidbits that are interesting. Um, I think I texted you about this, but the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse animated movie came out, which you never must have seen because it's already out. I thought it was coming soon. It's already out. Because right. um, it has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it just got, and it got nominated for, it's from what I already heard, it's going to win every like animated award this year. It looks really cool. Yeah. Everybody I know that it's like this people I've listened to, um, have said it's awesome. The people I know have seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, think it's amazing. Yeah. It looks really fun. They say it's just awesome, but I thought that's good. To, good to hear. They bring in some of the different versions of Spider-Man from the different Spider-Man universes. Okay. I think it's got uh, Spider Gwen and Miles Morales, okay, and Peter Parker, and I don't know who else is in there, but it looks like they brought in a few of them. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that, I get that from the trailer. Yeah, it looks good. I, w- I wish there'd be a f- way we could watch it in our, but probably wait comes out on TV. But I do want to see it. It's amazing because I would never, I honestly would never care to see. I, I think it's cool they put like it that, in theaters because you know usually animated. I think that's. Animated, that's not Pixar or Disney. It's pretty hard to get into a theater. I I haven't seen a Marvel animated in a theater. The only one that I know that hit theaters... What was the Batman one that came out a couple years ago? An animated Batman that was in theaters? Yeah. What was that one that just came out? Not too long ago. A year or two ago. Uh, that was in theaters? I can't even think. Um, I think... No, I think most of them have gone to video. To DVD, there's... Are you thinking of Killing Joke, or what do you think? Yeah, Killing Joke was in the theater. Was it's it? limited. I mean, oh. not here. But yeah, it made theaters. Yeah, Killing Joke Maybe made Maybe somewhere, but... Yeah. Well, of course it did. I mean, you can make theaters in LA and New York, and that technically counts, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I remember that one made theaters, because I remember it, but then it didn't do very well. I never watched it, but um, I heard it wasn't very good, so that's why I didn't watch it. I thought it was all right. I mean, yeah. they, they did a whole... Um, sort of prelude sequence that was not in the original book, but involving Batgirl, but whatever. Yeah. I thought it was fine. Okay. Yeah. That's so I'm just interested. The other one, this is kind of shocking to us. I think, I don't know if you saw Bumblebee had its early release for like critics and stuff. Uh-huh. It was a uh, 96% right now. Okay. And everybody I follow on Twitter that's watched it thinks it's great. Uh-huh. But I also think that they're comparing it to the prior five. It always seems like that's how they're associating how good it is. Best Transformers movie. Okay. I don't know. I've, I've enjoyed some of them. I thought the action sequences were, were pretty stellar in some of them. Yeah. So and I, I think I saw some of them in 3d too, which always adds for me when you're watching robots transform and fight in, in 3d. I mean, who needs a story at that point? It's, <laughs> it's entertainment, you know, as long as it's not the second one, I don't care. I like I said, I think we had this discussion already, but first one was decent. Second one's like the worst movie I've ever seen. Um, yeah, so that was just interesting. Good things to know. Uh, the only other little things I have are Bohemian Rhapsody uh, just broke their box office record for biopic based off a music group or any musician, which is crazy because like I feel like eighteen of those come out a year. It's made six hundred million dollars worldwide. Wait a minute, Pretty biopic amazing. based on a... Music. Like well, a music musical biopic? I mean, there's a lot of them out there. Well, like, you got The Doors. Yeah. I mean, I, what else? I could create a whole list, I suppose. I mean, there's Give been, me three. Give you three? 
Just tell me three. Off the top of my head. Them oh, I'm not going to find them out right now. My brain doesn't work. I'm not going to be able. I mean, you're telling if me I said, that come out a year. Name three. That was a sarcasm. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were being serious. No, I was going to say no, there's like no, no, not serious. I was um, going to say there's like not a lot of these. When you said it was, you said it made the most money. Yeah, for for a biopic. For a biopic based, based on, on music. Yeah, but there's not that many of them. I mean, here, I have a list right here. I mean, this is just quick. I can name the Ray, doors. Get On Up, Walk the Line. Oh, wait a minute. Straight Out of Compton. Those are musical biopics. All right. Yeah. Get, well, was it Ray, Walk the Line, and what else? Straight Out of Compton. All right. Get On Up. What was All Get On Up? That, um, that was the uh, James Brown one. Never even heard of it. Yeah, I didn't watch it. Um because I, I, you know, musical biopics don't get me. Um, but there's, I don't know, Notorious. Did you watch Notorious? No. That was pretty good, but Notorious B.I.G. Um, but there's, it, it just feels like there's always like one a year. Reasons why Star is born to me, even though it wasn't, even though it was fictitious. I remember when it came out, I'm like, oh, a struggling singer does this and has this and goes through, you know, celebrity life and drinks too much and is on his broken down chair and soapbox never never watched that movie before which is why the reason why i didn't love stars born because i just feel like it's not that uncommon granted that was fictitious but so that's just i mean i'm sure i think like 400 of that is probably in the uk you know where the queen was huge because i think the american box office was only like 150 million yeah. everybody knows i've seen it. it's good though i didn't see it i want to see it but, uh, and then the other thing, this is just interesting, Golden Globes announced their nominees, and it's only interesting because they're the Golden Globes and people seem to care. Um, but for Best Movie, Black Panther got nominated. Yeah. Which is interesting. What's it up against? Uh, well, this is, so, the Golden Globes divides their Best Pictures into two different categories. One's drama, one's comedy. Okay. But the comedies are never, comedy or musical. But they're usually never comedies or musicals. It's what makes the Golden Globes kind of dumb. But the dramas are Black Can Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, A Star is Born, If Beale Street Could Talk, I have no idea what that is, and Black Panther. Those are the five. So Bohemian Rhapsody will probably win everything just from what I know. But There must have been something better that came out this year. I don't know what the, <coughs> off the top of my head, I don't know what they have for musicals, but I know like Crazy Rich Asians was one of them. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I I thought there was maybe some better films that came out than that, but I I mean, I think so too. I'm sure they're all fine. Yeah, films. I mean, I've seen I've seen three of the five. Yeah. I don't dislike any of them, and I've heard the If Beale Street Could Talk because I started looking it up. Um, a lot of people liked it, and I don't really know what it's about. And I I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody seems fun. I didn't need to go to a theater to watch it. Yeah, that seems like a I'll watch it at home type movie just to see it. And I like Queen, so I at least like the music in it. Sure. So, yeah, that's what I thought that was interesting. Um, last thing, going back to our last podcast last week, we did the 10 essential movies of the 80s. Mm -hmm. So now I've got the 90s for you, John. Are you ready for the, sure. for the Rotten Tomatoes 10 movies of the 90s you have to watch? Yeah. So the essential I'm movies. hoping Goodfellas is on there. You're going to love it because it's not. Because <laughs> that was my first thought, too. I was like, really, Goodfellas? You know the reason? So, again, I I think they make the list based off hitting a bunch of genres. So you're not re-watching, like, three gangster movies, you know? Right. Because they put Pulp Fiction on it. So I think they just chose yeah. Pulp Fiction over oh, yeah. Goodfellas. You I think that have, was the idea. Yeah. Which is fine. Pulp Fiction so Pulp Fiction was on there. Uh, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah. Which is, of course, uh, Lion King. Lion King. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Titanic. Yeah, sure. Just because of the mass amount of money I made. Big Lebowski. I love that movie, yeah. but I, I don't know if it's essential. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not for everybody. I think it's the it's the one comedy on here, so it must be the, the comedy they expect you to They're love out of the 90s. They're probably represent the Coen Brothers. How about Fargo? Throw Fargo on there. Yeah, Fargo would be good. Is that not on there? No. I would have put Fargo over Big Lebowski. I love both those films, Yeah, but I don't know... I don't know. I think Lebowski is a more straight to your face comedy than Fargo. I don't think everybody would enjoy Big Lebowski. It's pretty offbeat. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the people that's right in the middle of Big Lebowski. I can take it or leave it. I don't, I don't love it, but I don't dislike it either. I think it's fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, but how many people dislike Fargo? 
Nobody like, nobody. I know. I know. I actually was just at my... I was at a family thing a week or two ago, and we got talking about the Coen brothers because of Ballad of Buster Scruggs coming out. And uh, we were talking about Fargo. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, we love it. Like, everybody, even my uncle, who's like the worst movie watcher on the planet, he was like, oh, Fargo's the best. I'm like, yes. Yes, it is. I'm glad you... I'm glad even you agree, considering you watch terrible stuff and love it. Um, Before Sunrise, which we've already said yes oh, to. Interesting. Actually put that on there. Interesting, right? I thought that was a good choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jurassic Park. Yeah. Sure. Toy Story 2. Not one. Not one. Right. All right. Uh, I thought that was different. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thumb on the Wheeze. And the Thumb Matrix. on the Wheeze is not I know. essential. I don't think so either. What was the last one? And Matrix. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. I have Matrix, of course. I get. I know. Thumb on the Wheeze, I was like, Sure. Okay. I bet you I could find something, something different. They're just trying to give you a, they're, I mean, a they're variety. Giving you, of course. I mean, if you're making the 10 essential of the whole decade, I get it. But what I don't about know. Basic Instinct? Basic Instinct would have been good. Yeah. There's so many. I know I started, I, I, when I first did the list, I should have wrote down some of the other ones because I did this a couple days ago that I was thinking about. Um, I mean, I still think not doing just the first Toy Story. <laughs> I think doing the second one over the first one was, I wouldn't have done that. I mean, I like the second one, too. I mean, I like all the Toy Stories, but the first one did so much for... And and then, like, if you have Toy Story, do you need Lion King on it? Couldn't you find, like, couldn't you put Goodfellas there instead? I mean... Yeah. I mean, I get it that you don't want probably Goodfellas and Pulp Fiction, but I think Goodfellas is one of the greatest movies ever made, and Mm, so... It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. So, you know, that was... You know, those are interesting. So, I just find it funny, just because... um, it's good. All right, so we did watch one movie to I think that we <laughs> that we both excuse me that we both seen this week. Mm-hmm. That was Mission Impossible Fallout, which is new on DVD. Yeah, probably in the last week I think. Yeah. Um. So and did you you didn't go see it in theater, or did no, you? No, I really wanted to, yeah. and I just I didn't get around to it. And everyone was telling me how good it was, which I I believed them because I am a big fan of. I was just going to say, so you're a big fan. I was going to ask. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I think that these movies have continually gotten better. Yep. Um, you know, the first one was kind of, I think, I think they tried to make it similar to the TV show. It was more, you know, espionage. And, I was going to say, very spy. Such a spy yeah. movie. Yeah. Kind of, kind of dialogue driven. Not a lot of big action sequences or anything like that, but. Um, that's actually my least favorite in the whole franchise. Is the first one? Oh yeah. Well, and now because of what the franchise has turned into, <clears throat> pretty much like you said, it's it's so different. Yeah. The second one, they brought in uh, John Woo, who's well known as an action director, and <clears throat> they kind of did a complete one eighty from the first movie, and it was like all action. Yeah, two was crazy. He, yeah, they gave him the long hair, and he's yeah. like riding motorcycles, climbing cliffs, <clears throat> and. I enjoy that one, but <clears throat> they started getting really good when the third one came out. That's when they brought in J.J. Abrams, and that guy, I don't know what it is, but he just makes excellent movies. Yeah, overall. That's all he, that's all he does. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, he's the guy that re, uh, re rebooted the Star Wars and Star Trek universes, and he, he did kind of this soft reboot on... Uh, Mission Impossible when he did Mission Impossible three and I think it's it's really good. That's where they brought in Seymour Philip Seymour Hoffman. Who I love as the, the bad guy. Great choice for the bad guy. I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. Had he played a role like that before? When would Mission Impossible three come out? Uh, probably early two thousands. Um, as a bad guy like that before early two thousands. I, mean, I usually think of him as like a dramatic actor, and right? Doing right. like. I don't know if he did before that or not. I mean, I know a couple. I know he did after. What's he done after? Like in general, or like as a bad guy? As a bad guy. You know, uh, was he? No, he was a good guy in Hunger Games, wasn't he? I don't know. I those those movies blend together for me. But uh, as a bad guy, well, I mean, it depends on what. I type don't know. Of, I'm just. Are I'm you looking for like a bad guy in like a movie like this, or just a yeah, bad guy in general? Just, just a villain in a movie. I, I'm not. I mean, he was a. He play. was a. Well, in that movie, Doubt, he was a preacher who molested children. 
All right, but you know what I mean. Yeah. A villain, a movie villain. Yeah. Not a... Um, I'd have to... I'll, I'll look it up. I'll see what I can think of. Because I'm thinking of him as good guys in all the movies I'm thinking of right now. Yeah, I just... I hadn't seen him play that type of role, and I thought he was a great choice um, to play the villain in an action film. Um, he's a very, very good actor. And um, just the, the action in that one, the story, it was just... It was all there, you know? It was just really solid, and I think that one has kind of been... Well, Mr. Possible through 2006. 2006. Yeah, it seems yeah. so much earlier than that. Yeah, that's kind of. I mean, looking at his quick, uh, quick filmography, it's kind of about right. Like that's his really villainous character by far. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that, I think that film kind of set the template for the ones that have come since. They did. Um, what was the name of the one after? Yeah, I was just going to ask you what the, the fourth mission because the one after was Rogue Nation. I can never remember the name. Is Operation Ghost? Was it Ghost Ghost Protocol? Protocol. Ghost Protocol. That's yep. the one. So, yeah, so Ghost Protocol, that's the one. So, what they've been doing with these movies is they love to have Tom Cruise do his own stunts and do at least one big kind of insane thing that no human should probably be doing. Especially no famous multi-million dollar movie star. Yeah. every Everything that the people behind the camera go, yeah, you're, you're really essential to, to what we do, so you shouldn't. You shouldn't do this. Right, but he doesn't. He does. And it, it's half the fun is just seeing what Tom Cruise, you know, how is he going to risk his life for the next Mission Impossible movie? Um, in in Ghost Protocol, he uh, he climbs the side of the, the world's tallest building. Yeah. He's like 200 stories up or something. He's hanging on the outside. Could you imagine me like the director? Be like, oh, gosh, this is the worst. <laughs> Like the, it makes you Brad think. Of, Bird directed it makes you film. think of all of the Jackie Chan movies back in like the seventies and eighties. Where at the end of the movie, you know, they'd throw in the the blooper reels of Jackie Chan just completely okay. hurting himself. And it makes me think of Rumble in the Bronx when he he does the jump from the bridge to the pontoon boat, snaps both of his ankles, and they have to they have to prolong the movie like nine months because Jackie Chan got hurt so bad. That's all I would think of. I would be well, like, Tom Cruise, get down! Don't do this. I'm getting to that. Yeah, he um, he has hurt himself. Yeah. he did on this one, but um, but yeah, no. Uh, Operation Endgame was actually directed by Brad Bird, who did some of the Pixar movies. Yep. Um, but uh, Rogue Nation and now Go and now uh, Fallout is the new one. They were both um, written, I believe, written and directed by uh, Christopher McQuarrie. Who um, every time I hear his name, I think of. The Usual Suspects. He wrote The Usual Suspects. I think of him as with everything that involves Tom Cruise. Because he did Jack Reacher, mm-hmm. and he did Edge of Tomorrow, yep. and he did, uh, there's one other, isn't there one other one? He, oh, he's doing Top Gun 2. Mm-hmm. So it, that's all I, I just associate him with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously they're they're pretty, uh, pretty close, uh, you know, working partners now. But um, this movie... Mission Impossible Fallout, it does not disappoint. Um, the uh, the stunts in it are at least as good as any of the other ones. Sure. Um, I mean, he's hanging from helicopters. He's uh, He did injure himself jumping from one building to the to the next. I heard he, yeah. he broke his ankle or yeah. something. Yeah, I, I remember reading that. I'm pretty sure that's the part in the movie where he does the, the jump from building to building. Well, yeah. did you read the thing that he did for this movie? With the, so, uh, the skydiving stuff? So, yeah. So, before I saw the movie, I had heard that he did a halo jump, which I didn't know exactly what that was. But it turns out it stands for high altitude, low uh, low release or something. Okay. I mean, that's not an O. Oh, octane? Basically, they jump from very high up, and they don't pull their parachute until they're very low to the ground. Right. Um, so, I had heard before I saw the movie that he did this halo jump. And I'm watching the movie, and there's a scene in the movie where he jumps out of this airplane, and you see him falling, and you know, and he's got a he's got a partner with him, and there's some problems on the way down, of course, and um, you know, but eventually he makes it to the ground, and uh, and I'm thinking to myself, well, clearly that's not the sequence they're talking about because you couldn't have possibly gotten all those shots, right? I thought, even though I had heard that he really did this jump. Watching the film, I'm thinking, no, he didn't. Um, so I looked into it after watching the movie, 
And it turns out he he did the jump. He did it like 106 times. Yes, he did. He just kept doing it. (laughs) So they could get the different shots they needed. It's crazy. And I went back and I rewatched that sequence. And yeah, Yeah. he's actually falling. And they're filming him. And they got the different shots they needed. Yeah. Took him over 100 takes. But um, just wow. I mean, yeah. The, the only reason why I know that because he was on James Corden. And he was talking about how he forced the camera crew to jump that many times. Yeah. And because that episode, he, he, he jumps. He takes James Corden and he jumps. There's a YouTube clip of it. And he, he, he he's the guy on James Corden's back. And he makes him parachute with him. And it's just cool because again, and that's real. Like that's where you see the GoPro on Tom Cruise's face, and you and you still have that that thought of like, I know you're a human and you can do whatever you want, but you're so famous. Stop jumping on airplanes. But yeah, that's crazy, right? Well, I was just watching it going, how did how did they get the camera? It guy? looks great, and that sequence is absolutely spectacular, and it yeah. lasts so long. Because it's so well edited and so well filmed. That's easily one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is when they jump out of the plane. I just didn't think you'd be able to get a camera guy to fall with you and get those shots. But apparently you can. Yeah. They Especially do. with that many takes. Yeah, that many takes. I wonder, you know, my thought was is um, if it, if if a cameraman, if or whatever cameraman, probably more than one, um, it did all 106 with him. Because <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how many cameramen had to, were like, just like, I've jumped 30 times. I'm done. Somebody else do it. I don't want to do this anymore. Like that was my thought during, cause I knew going into it that he did that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cool. But yeah. So when I realized that he actually did that, um, you know, I was thinking about, there's so many, so many movie producers and movie studios that would just go the cheap route and have you hanging from some cables in a, you know, blue screen room. Sure and a big wind fan blowing on you and it, and save themselves a fortune, a fortune. Yeah. But, um, that's one of the things that I really love about this franchise is they do not, they do not, uh, cut corners on entertaining the audience. You know, these films are just absolute thrill rides. And I mean, there's just nothing else like it out there. I think this has become, Almost, I, I hate to say it, almost better than the James Bond franchise. Yeah. I think I like these better. Okay. But, uh, and I, I love James Bond. Don't sure. get me wrong. But sure. these, I mean, these are, I give them 10 out of 10. The last four movies that they've made in this franchise, I give 10 out of 10. Nice. Yeah. I just, I don't think you <laughs> can, I don't think there's something better you can spend your money on. You know, it's just insane. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree. No, they're. They're fun. I, I definitely liked Rogue Nation, especially last uh, the last one. I thought was awesome. I thought all the action and stuff was super, just interesting and good, and and all of it's good. And then I like the the reason why I like this franchise too is is the the clan they've created. Like this group of people is fun. Like they're yeah. all like interesting. They're not archetypes. They all are real people. That like Simon Pegg, Bing Rames are great. I mean, I think they're just too great people to have because they're so ridiculous um but they fit like it totally works yeah the big stunt they did in uh, rogue nation was they had tom cruise actually hanging on to the wing of an airplane while it took oh off. yeah that's right that's right and i didn't know that was going to be in the movie i was just watching the movie and i'm sitting there i'm like that shot looks really real sure you know that he's hanging there and the the ground disappears behind him and I'm thinking, well, obviously they blue screened it because right. you can't you can't have Tom Cruise hang on the wing of an airplane, <laughs> right? And uh, no, they actually had strapped him to the wing of the plane and uh, and a camera right in front of him and uh, took off of that airplane like yeah, that. He's a daredevil. That's insane. Yeah. Again, the fact that he's allowed is is well. He he's the producer. I, I, I still. I, he, I get he it. He makes these movies. I, I understand that. He, and he, I, I understand that he probably gives the movie plenty of money for it to be made, yeah. but it's crazy. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought they actually, I th- again, I thought the plane drop sequence was great. Um, there's one other one I wrote down. that. Oh, I love that bathroom fight scene too. Uh, with him and Henry Cavill. Um, yeah, that I was, thought that was solid. I, I really enjoyed fighting, it. Uh, they were fighting, uh, John Lark. Right. They're um, fighting this this guy that they were Right. I thought that was good stuff. I thought just the way to, they maneuvered the bathroom, I thought 
They were trying just to sedate about him so they could make a mask <laughs> of his face and assume his identity. Yeah. I thought that was good stuff. I, I was really into that. I actually thought, uh, yeah, and I thought the helicopter stuff at the end was good. And um, the fight, I also, the funny thing I love too is um, they start talking about the fact that, you know, so the whole movie's based around them getting these like three bombs pretty much. Um, right. And towards the end, you know, they're on their way to get the bombs for the final mission. And they're kind of making fun of how they have 15 minutes to get them, you know, like the ticking clock. And they have a whole conversation about how ridiculous it is that there's a ticking clock of 15 minutes in the car and i think that every time i watch one of these movies when there's a big clock on the bomb that counts down and every time you're like that's unnecessary why would you put the clock on it there's no need for it but it's strictly for movie purposes and this movie literally calls it out like it's kind of funny and it's part of the part of the movie and i'm like that was a great way of getting around that ticking clock thing that we've seen 400,000 times. I don't know. I, I would hope there'd be a clock on the bomb just in, as a safety measure. But look, so at you a, know, if it's going off, but is it a movie? But in the movie, they're always like huge numbers, big and red. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know if it's necessary. If I, I tell you what, if I'm buying, a bomb, <laughs> there, better be a, there better be a clock on there because I don't want it to just go off all it's, of a sudden. But it, you got to admit it's such, it's a movie trope to have a big ticking clock. So, you know, um, it's how, never, how much time it is. It's never bothered me. That's crazy. But I, I just loved it in the car. They made fun of it. And they completely set up the reason why there's a ticking clock. I'm like, good job. I'm like, that's clever. Um, even though there's a click ticking clock of 15 minutes and there's 28 movie, minutes left of the movie. But that's okay. Because that 15 minutes took a long time. Well, that's movies are able to compress time. And I got it. And I got it. But it was just funny because I, 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 I just happened to pause it. Cause I had to get up and go to the bathroom or something like right as they were, the clock started. And I was like, Oh man, there's a half hour left. There's 15 minutes left on the bomb. This should, this should be fun. Um, but yeah, no, I thought that I, uh, yeah, I thought it was good. You love it. I don't, but it's good. You don't love it. I don't need to love it. No, I don't, I don't see what, I mean, it's fun action. And if you're, I think Henry Cavill was fun. If you're looking for action, yeah, there's nothing better than this. Sure. Okay, then. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think we're so inundated with stuff now. It's I, I agree. I love I love I'm, the practical I'm so used to, effects. I'm, well, I was just going to say that. Yeah, I was just going to say that. I, I'm so used to action movies doing blue screen and CGI. Well, I mean, there's some CGI and screen, green screen here. It's just not all CGI and green screen, which um, is nice. They, they may use some of it, but in, I'm used to... The helicopter to, scene. I'm used to... Action movies having a lot of CGI and blue screen, and using it in a way that they're able to get their actors to do things that no human could ever do. Like we talked before about Vin Diesel flying through the air, <laughs> catching Wait the heroin. They didn't throw Vin Diesel landing, across the and street, he's, and he's uninjured. You know, so to me, if you're going to use blue screen or CGI. Do it in such a way that I don't notice it. Right. You know, this movie, they may have used some. Well, the helicopter scene they did. They well, did okay. Yeah. But. But there's a lot there wasn't. Yeah, totally. There's a lot that was done practically. And the stuff that was where they used CGI, it was maybe because it was necessary, not because, you know, hey, we're going to make Tom Cruise look like he's Superman. You feel like you're watching a human being. Right. You know. Through, throughout this movie. Yeah. He doesn't feel like he's Superman. He feels like he's a regular guy, but he's doing extreme things. Right. So, yeah, I even, I, you know, I love it that it's, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that people make fun about Tom Cruise, but I even love the fact that he runs really far. Like they show him running like on one big take that Tom Cruise actually has to run mm -hmm. a continuous, like, you know, half a mile to do a chase. And they show the whole thing. I'm like, I would love to know who else even does that. What other actor actually will run that far without edits, cuts, and stops? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, that's good. Uh, yeah, no, those those things like that are are great. Well, to me, it just feels like Tom Cruise is a guy who's dedicated to his craft. He wants to put out quality. He wants to be remembered <laughs> for for making quality films. Yeah. And you know, this is his legacy. This is what he's doing. Yeah, especially this. I think he really understands because. He tried with, I think, with, I think that's what the Jack Reacher franchise was trying to be, from what I remember reading and stuff. That he, because that was a lot of his money too. 
he put up a ton of cash for those movies. And I think that was his way of trying to create a another one. Like, hey, know me for this. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that went over as well as something already has established that he already has. Because I don't. I only watched the first Jack Reacher. Did you watch either of those? I watched the first one and I, I didn't care for no, it. No, neither did I. And I don't know if anybody watched the second one because I didn't need to. But I, I did hear that that was his big plan behind those movies is he was going to put a ton of money in, try to try to create a secondary franchise for himself. But if this is working, go for it. I yeah. mean, if you're going to keep doing fun action, I mean, but but the thing is, we've sat here and talked a lot about the action and stuff. What about the storyline for this movie? I mean, I thought, I thought it was it, good. That was pretty basic. No, this one, um, this one, the stakes are personal for. E- for uh, sure, Ethan Hunt. Right, that's his character's name. Uh, this one, the stakes are a little more personal. Um, they bring back a character uh, from his past, right? And uh, she's the damsel in distress, I think, a little bit. And um, also the 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 bombs he's trying to he's trying he's basically trying to get this plutonium or whatever to prevent these bad guys from building these like uh, nuclear bombs right. or whatever. So I mean, obviously, pretty pretty big stakes for the for the world. Sure. Um, no, I, I I thought the story was great. I thought it was. And I love that. Um, I love that it's you can follow it too. Like there's a lot of twists and turns. Sure. Sometimes these movies with a lot of twists and turns, if they don't do them right, you get lost. Right. And especially where you got, you know, good guys pretend to be bad guys and vice versa. Sure. You know. Sometimes you get halfway through the movie, you go, what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, I definitely didn't think, I definitely don't think that'll happen. I don't think any no. twists and turns of that. This this twisty. movie and all the missions, well, I would say, except, I, I think the first Mission Impossible is a good example of that. That's one where I got lost. Sure. I'm like, what is going that on? That movie was trying to do a lot. Yeah, it was just, I, I couldn't follow it. Right. You know, But um, ever since then, I think they've done a really good job of, of doing these, They do they just do them. Just yeah, it's right. really well done. I mean, yeah. none of the twists and turns I think here are like that mysterious, but the way they're done is really good. I mean, that the the scene in the wherever they are, the sewer system or wherever they ended up going, you know, that's the big twisty turny scene where like three different things happen. That's done pretty well for stuff that's pretty basic stuff. Yeah, like I, I mean, I wouldn't say like it's like oh man, wow, that came out of left field. It's like okay, I get it. But it's done super interesting. Like, even I thought that after it was all done. I'm like, okay, sure. I got it all. That makes sense. But yeah. it was good. It was well done in that regard. Like, yeah. yeah so. I just, I don't think you can ask for more out of a movie. Yeah, it's, it's, I wonder how long this can sustain. And how long Cruz can do it. I hope they keep making them. Because, I mean, what, how old is he now? I mean, I understand that he's in, he's in some mega good shape for his age. But, I mean, he has to be pushing 50s? Mid-50s? I mean, he's an older guy. Yeah, so, I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea how old he is. But so he I mean, the same as he did in I, Top Gun, if you ask me. He but. he doesn't age, and he still looks good. I have to know his age now, um, because I mean, that's the one thing that's going to hold him back is how many how many more times can he actually jump from an airplane? Or um, Tom Cruise is what do you how old do you think he is? Um, I think. Well, let's see. He was probably in his in his. 20s when he was doing um you know risky business and all those kind of films back in the early 80s so i guess he was born in the 60s so yeah i'll say 55 yeah 56 oh okay so right in the middle there so (coughs) i mean you could probably still bust out a few more of these oh yeah i mean (laughs) yeah it's good i mean i think you know by now he only broke one of his ankles in this yeah, one. Yeah, he's he can, fine. He's got the other ankle. Yet, yeah, he so. can. Just, <laughs> and the, the, he just—it doesn't matter. It's Tom Cruise. He can just survive it all anyway. So, I mean, you know what you're getting if you've watched the last two, especially. You you know what's you're in for, and you're if you getting, like that, you're gonna like. This. You're getting good stuff, and I've liked it. So, I mean, yeah. why not? There's nothing to nothing to dislike here, really. Um, so, yeah, that's good. So, what else did you watch? What um, fun stuff can we throw in here? Nothing, nothing too great. Nothing really worth mentioning. I saw a documentary on Netflix called American Meme, or something like. That. Yeah, you text. I had no idea what that was. They basically follow some of these people that are famous for being on the internet and um, 
doing like tweets and, and oh, Instagram yeah, right, right. stuff. And Paris Hilton was one of the people that was featured in the film. Okay, that's how I know this movie. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. It was, I mean, it's fine for what it is. I don't know. I, I, it just is. It's just something I watched because I was interested in it. But sure. It probably won't be for everybody. But it was It was fine. Um, one thing I did I did find interesting is she talked a, a little bit about that sex tape that came out. I think this is must be how I know the documentary because I read a bunch of stuff about this interview, yeah. which it must have been released through the documentary. Okay. Yeah, and she started to cry. Yep. And it was obviously very emotional for her. Um, and I had heard rumors that, you know, this was like purposefully released to make money and this sure. and that. Um, I don't think so. Yeah, after what she said? Yeah. But isn't that what you should say? She was, she had tears in her eyes. Okay. She was getting emotional. Okay. Yeah, you can't fake that, especially okay. when you're Paris Hilton. Sure. She ain't that great. What are you talking about? She I watched House of Wax. <laughs> she talked about House of Wax, actually, and she talked about how they advertised that movie by saying, See Paris Die. And that dude, I watched it. I a lot of people watched that movie, and oh, it probably I, was sold because of her. Because that was she was, she was the thing. I think that was like two thousand three. That was. But when, how would you feel if a movie was being advertised right by Hey, get to see Dustin die? You're right. It depends on how you're going to look at life, I guess. If yeah. that's going to make you sad, or if you realize, well, how will that affect my bank account? And it depends, on, I guess, on the person you are. I saw that film. I, I actually own the DVD. <clears throat> I saw it not because Paris Hilton was in it. I saw it because I like a horror film. Right. And I thought it was actually kind of a cool film. I thought it was creepy and cool. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it actually, so did I. actually, it made me go back and watch the original, too. Yeah, and I'd seen the original first. And uh, I saw it in the theater. I'm pretty sure I went because it was so popular. You could, I remember the trailers were everywhere. And it's strictly because it was Paris Hilton. Because it was her big acting. Oh, it was a big I deal think, for that. I know, but it, it's kind of sad that that's what sold the movie. It's a good hey. movie. It's a good horror movie. It's kind of creepy. It is, man. That wax scene is great. That's I have that stuck out in my head. That's a great scene. There's a lot of good stuff in that movie. It is. It's a good movie. That's an underrated, yeah. underrated horror movie in the 2000s. It's, yeah, if you like, if you like, you know, <coughs> yeah, we just sound terrible. Kind of a fun, you know. I mean, obviously, it's not. It's not, you know, something like The Shining. It's not something that's well, like could be yeah, well respected by everybody. But if you're just looking for a good kind of a slasher horror flick with a real creepy vibe to it, I, I would say The House of Wax is really good. Yeah, it is good. Anything else? I don't Slow think so. week. Yeah. Yeah, I uh the only the couple I want to mention that I watched well, I was talking to you quick, but Crazy Rich Asians did come out on DVD and I said that I was interested just because of the clip the acclaim it got mm. and how it made a lot of money, but books or movies based off books that are really popular usually do, no matter what it is. It doesn't really matter because the book lovers are going to go watch it. Um, but, it, you know, it's your straightforward, I think, romantic comedy. I mean, that's what I got out of it. But it's done well. So, like, it's fine. <clears throat> I mean, if that's what you're going for, I mean, if I'd rather watch a romantic comedy that occasionally makes me laugh, looks nice, has some fun actors in it. You know, and it's nice. I didn't know a lot of the actors in this. I mean, there's some side roles some from, from some people I know. But, uh, and, and you know, it's set in Singapore. And, you know, when it's about rich Asians that are, like, millionaires, I mean, they I, have really nice houses and really nice cars and wear really nice clothes. So it's all really gorgeous to look at. I haven't seen it, but I've, I've seen the trailer. Let me... T- let me see if I can predict the whole Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I, I've seen enough romantic comedies <laughs> that I kind of know the formula. Oh, here we go. So what I what I took away from the trailer was that um, this guy is dating this girl, and they're going to go back to Singapore. To Singapore, that's her, her homeland. His homeland. Oh, his homeland. Yeah. All right. So she's an Asian. Just to help you out with your story, because you're probably going to be yeah. right. She's an Asian that was born in America. Okay, she was born in America. So she's going back. So she with meets him. this guy. Yep. They're going to go back and meet his family. Yep. Okay. And it turns out super wealthy. Yeah. Ridiculous wealthy. Correct. Okay. So I'm guessing there's a part about two thirds of the way through where it looks like she, she just feels like she can't be with him. She's not good (laughs) enough. She's not good enough. It looks like they're not going to end up together because the, but why? Because the money is getting in the way. Actually, it's not the money that's getting in the way. It's not the money, but there's something. There's, of course there's something. It's romantic comedy. There has to be something that gets away in their love. 
so so two thirds so about two thirds of the way in it's it's looking like they're not gonna end up together. Of course. But in the end No way. They do. It doesn't happen. Yeah. And let me guess. Does he make some huge romantic gesture in front of like a landmark or some very public Actually it's public. It's public. It is public, but it's subtle public. Because and the reason why it's subtle public is because the whole movie is about being rich and famous. So if you do it subtly, okay. it's the opposite. It's so he proposes to her at the McDonald's. No, no, no. It's it's a little better than that. Okay. But it's it is. I mean that is it. And I'm not saying that it's not that. But I've seen that formula so many times um, that if you're going to do the formula, it, it needs to be at least fun. Mm-hmm. And the movie itself is fun. I mean. Again, a lot of rich people, a lot of good-looking people, a lot of good-looking cars, a lot of good-looking houses and parties. There's funny. It's, it is funny. I openly did laugh at it. Um, and so, I mean, you know, if that's your bag, here you go. That's, that's, that's pretty much what I'm telling you. Is it's not a bad movie. To me, it's not great either because it's literally something you've seen so many times. But you know how many people out there love to watch that over and over again? Too many. Mm-hmm. So if that's what you're gonna, and my gosh, the movie got nominated for like a really big award at the Golden Globes. That's crazy. So it made a lot of money. So it must have been somewhat successful. But I, you know, again, I'm saying this is if that's your thing, it's up your alley. That's fine. But if it's not, I think you're all right. You don't need to. I, I was hoping. I feel like there's got to be a new <laughs> formula for the romantic comedy. You would think so. And I thought, you know, as this movie went on, because the big the big part of this movie is it's not the bunny, actually, which I thought was nice that it wasn't about the money. It was about the fact that she was born in America. She is not, a, a, you know, a, a born in China Asian. So that's the... Oh, that's, blasphemous. Right. And, you know, I uh, and this is just a little bit of background I have, but I, I have some, I have uh, a lot of history, like I'm a hist- historian and I have a lot of stuff in Chinese history. It's pretty normal in China for like that to be a blasphemous thing. I mean, it really is. Um, but you know what's going to happen. <laughs> I'll bet you. And like, I mean, you know, within half an hour, you're like, I wonder if she changes his mom's mind about who she is as a person. Like, and the scene, and the scene where it happens, is just that scene where you're like, "Don't do it, please." Like I remember when it started, you know, the scene where you know she's going to change the mom's mind after everything's already happened. I was like, "Don't do it. Give me something different here." And they did it <laughs> exactly the way that yeah. you thought it was going to happen. And I was like, "Come on!" I almost did think they they swerved me. They did have me thinking that they weren't going to end up together. And I was like, please let it happen. Please let them not end up together. Just go with this. Go with this ending. Just let them, let them go. And yeah, then what you said happened. And then I was like, come on. Just just do it. But, you know, it's based off a book. So I'm sure it just followed that formula. You know. So, But no, it was fun. You know, the other movie I just want to point out. Small movie. I watched it last night. Um, and again, it's on that Canopy app that I've been loving since I got it from them library that I talked about last week. Um, <coughs> excuse me. It's called The Miseducation of Cameron Post. It's a really small indie movie with Chloe Grace Moretz, who I think is pretty great. Um, she is a, it's set in the early 90s. She is Cameron Post, and she's a lesbian in her teens. And at the, you know, kind of starts off with this montage of her and her friends, you know, being best friends, and then eventually they realize they're attracted to each other and all this stuff. And they go to prom together, but they have their male dates and they end up leaving prom and they go into their car and they start doing stuff and they get caught in the car. Um, so now she's outed as, as gay. So her mom sends her or not even her mom, it's her aunt because both her parents are passed away. Sends her to a gay conversion therapy, uh, camp. And it's really good because the camp itself, you know, it's based around Christian beliefs and stuff. And, but it's not run by anybody that has probably proper training in how to do this. It's literally run by a lady who just feels like this is how you should preach the Bible is to, you know, convert people. And then one guy who's been converted and kind of the whole movie is, it's not even a dissection of Christianity or anything. It's a dissection of this isn't working. And the group of people that she's in there with, like, these other teens that are going through all these different things, like, you know, every one of them's different. One of them's, you know, feels he's a 
boy and a girl, and then you got the girl that's turned into a boy and all these things. All the people in it are interesting, and it's just an interesting take on it. Like, I thought when I was watching it, I'm like, oh, here we go. It's going to be this anti-religion, anti-this, but it's really not. It's her just going, I feel like this isn't working, and I don't know if this makes any sense. And then she kind of tells them, she goes, do you guys know, like, something bad happens, and she goes, do you guys even know what you do here? Like, what's going on? So, it's, again, really small, but Clegg Moretz's pretty great in a movie that she has to pretty much handle herself, so I thought that was good. Again, you can find it on the Canopy app. That was a good movie I watched this week. And a lot of people like that. I remember, uh, I've heard it now that critics are starting to come out with their top ten lists at the end of the year. I've seen it randomly on some people's lists, so. so. Interesting. Small, but interesting. Okay. But again, I, I watched a bunch of other movies this week, too. Um, not, not great stuff. So I was glad, finally, last night that, uh, I got to watch that. Something different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's it for this week. I think next week we got Christmas episode. Are you excited? Are you a Christmas guy, John? Is that next week already? <laughs> yeah, next week already. Yeah, it's the week before oh, Christmas yeah. next week because we're going to drop it so people can have it before the holidays. Because right. um, Christmas falls on Tuesday. And we usually drop on Wednesday. Are you a Christmas guy, John? Do you get ha- Do you get excited for the holidays? Yeah, I like Christmas. Good. Good. But I think we're going to do that, and then we got uh week after Aquaman, I think is going to be the big one, huh? Because Aquaman comes out this Friday. Yep. This Friday already, right? I'm yeah, right. Looking forward. Are you pumped? Oh, yeah. So, we got some fun stuff coming up next couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Christmas, Aquaman. Aquaman practically is Christmas for you, I think, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's it. I think we're uh, done for this week. Like a lot of people I know Is what's wrong with you